8, 2016, was a day I will never forget. You're going to ask me, what does July 8, 2016 mean to you? That was the day my mother passed from her illness. But it's also my middle sister's birthday. My mother passed away on my middle sister's birthday, July 8, 2016. I always thought my mother would be around for a long time. Even when I was a little girl, I actually believed she would be around. She made it to 88, but I thought maybe she could outlive herself and be in the 90s, you know. Sometimes that could happen. You know, you think, oh, I could be a certain age. I could live to be this age and have lived. She's lived, and she's lived a life in her younger years, how she grew up in very bad poverty. She went through a lot, her and my father, but it's hard for me. Yesterday was too much for me because I kept thinking about the time in the hospital when I saw her for the very last time. The way she looked just bothered me. i still trying to wrap my head around that. Whenever I dream about her, I sometimes dream about that day but I also dream about the things that we have a conversation with. We talk about many different things, and the one thing that we were talking about is everything that's going on in my life that she's not even here for. The fact that I have a job, the fact that I have someone I care about, that she hasn't had the pleasure of meeting. But I am struggling. Why? It's not easy coming home to an empty house. There is no sound. There is no, nobody waiting for you, you know, to sit down to have dinner with. She always made it a point that we sit down to dinner every night. Even if I was stuck in traffic, my mother was like, where are you? Tell me where you are so I know when to put dinner. She would clock it, time it just the right time. Because as soon as I'd walk in from a hard day of work, dinner would be ready. We'd have conversation and talk about current events or how was your day, it was, it was very difficult, how was yours, and we'd just have a conversation. And then we'd sit down and watch television until I have to do it all over again. And she would always tell me, I want you to call me when you get to work, I want you to call me when you arrive, I want you to call me when you leave, I want you to tell me exactly where you are. My mother was overprotective, but at the time I didn't understand why. Well, because I'm the youngest, that's why. I'm the youngest, that she feels the need, she feels the need to tell me that I love you, I don't care how old you are, this is what she said now, this is her words, I don't care how old you get in your life, I'm always going to worry about you, I always thought she would be around for a long time, and I was mistaken, it's hard to imagine life without her, it's just... I'm trying to make the best of it. And I know that we had this conversation even before she was sick. She had said to me, you need to go on with your life. I said, but you need to go on with your life. You cannot stop living. Don't you understand? People die every day. The world does not stop. It continues on. You're going to make yourself sick. Is that what you want? You want me to worry about you? When I really shouldn't be worrying about it, I think to myself, you are a grown woman. You need to take care of yourself. 
It was difficult that day, though, because the night before, I had slept next to her, and she didn't move once. I thought she was already dead. Usually, again, when you're sleeping in the room with my mother, if you make even the slightest noise, she'll wake up, but she didn't. And she was in two worlds. Half of her was in the land of the living, and the other half was already towards death. And I'm just... I'm just... I I think back to that time, and I think to myself, why did I even let her go to the hospital? I always ask myself this question all the time. I ask myself this question because... I know I shouldn't blame myself. What's done is done, and you can't go back and undo what happened. But I wanted her to have a proper send-off. I wanted her to die peacefully, not be hooked up to machines in an ambulance, and then having to decide, should we take her to this hospital or this hospital? They were trying to wake her up, and at one point her heart stopped. And I wanted to be back there. They wouldn't even let me sit back there with her because I know that she was scared. I also know that she didn't know what was going on. Then they made the decision that they brought her heart back up again. We brought her to the hospital where her doctor was at. And then they brought her right into the emergency room and they did the same thing again over and over and over again. Her heart stopped, they continued to pump, they got it back, back and forth, back and forth until finally, One of the doctors came. Now, the first doctor said, yes, we've stabilized her. Now we're going to bring her up to intensive care. But then when they went back in, even before that happened, her heart stopped. And this time, they couldn't bring her back. And the doctor came out and said, we've done all we could. We can try to continue. And I said, I know my mother. She does not want to live through this type of pain. Just let her go. Please let her go. I can't bear to see her. Even if they would have revived her, that she would have recovered, I think she wouldn't have been able to talk. I think she suffered a stroke at some point. Now imagine living that type of life when you can't even communicate with your loved ones, when you can't speak. What kind of a life is that? And I know that she would not have wanted that type of life for herself. That's too much. I wouldn't be able to. uh, It would hurt me tremendously. And I think back to that time now. I was dumbfounded. Came back home and it was... She's not here anymore. And I couldn't walk into this house because of everything that happened. I went into the bedroom where it was still unmade. And just her smell just kind of lingered in that area. And I thought to myself, is this how it is when you lose someone? You just cannot let go? There were so many pieces of her in this house that are still in this house. Her presence will always be here. And no matter where I go in life, she's with me. But again, it hurts. When I go back to that time, I couldn't even. After the memorial service, I came back to this home. There was a full house. We had people over because I didn't want to be alone. Then when the funeral came and we made plans to go, we were still a full house, but then everybody had to go home their separate ways. I could not fathom being in this home alone. It scared me. But at the time, I had both of my cats. I had two cats. But I said, nah, animals are not the same thing. I still felt like I heard noises. I still felt like I heard her or felt her presence. Her presence was so strong here. And I thought to myself, am I going to ever get back to a sense of normalcy? I slept down here six months. Did not want to go upstairs. Didn't even want to walk by that room. 
it just felt uncomfortable to me. That I had a sixth sense. What happens if I'm dreaming and I see her standing there? When I think, oh my God, this is a dream and she's really alive. My mind would play tricks on me like they always have. And in the few times I have heard her, I've heard her voice. I felt something. It was the same thing with my father. It was the same coincidence with my father many years before. But I thought to myself, wow, she's not here anymore. I had a hard time going back because I had just started a job and I was I felt bad, you know, and she was happy for me. A month before she was happy, she said, or two months before, rather, she said, oh, I'm so happy that you have a job and now you're going to be working. I said, thank you, Mom, because she believed in me. She believed in me. She never once doubted me. She goes, I know you're going to get this job. You're going to get that phone call. She was right. She predicted it and it happened, and I thank her for that. There were a lot of things that over the years I questioned on her. She goes, when you become a mother, you'll understand. It's a mother's instinct. You do right by your children. Mothers know a lot of things. A lot of people think that they don't. They do. My mother was very smart in that sense. She knew a lot. She knew so much about life, about world, about challenges, about how to hold yourself up in this world, how to take a risk and a fall, how to deal with rejection and all the emotions in between. I mean, I look at her life. She survived poverty. She almost survived dying of, when she was a baby, she had whooping cough. But back then, they didn't even have the medicines that they have now for any of those childhood diseases. Think about that. And you ask yourself, and I say to myself, I'm so lucky that I had her when I did. She helped me through so much. She got me through my cancer. She healed me with her voice and her touch. She got me through the worst. I was ready to give up. She goes, no, you are not giving up. You have a reason to be here. I said, so do you, mom. You have a reason. You have more of a reason. I still need you. I feel like I missed out. And I spent most of my childhood with my father. I thought to myself, me and my father were more closer than me and my mother. Not saying that I didn't love my mother. I did love her. She had more of a close relationship with both of my sisters. Me, I had a close relationship with my father. It took so many years for us to connect and to be close to one another after my father passed. That's when the closest became close. It took that long. Then I always regretted it. I know the times that she always tried to make everything special. Any day she made special, every day. She would make me laugh, she would make my favorite foods, she would do so much for me. And then we'd get into our arguments like every mother and child do, young adult, teenager, whatever you wanna call it. She was always right about everything though. I don't know, she must have that gift, the psychic gift. No, she goes, I'm a mother. Mothers have that that sixth instinct, that instinct that there's something wrong with their children. I would try to hide my emotions from her. and I knew that she picked up on it. I would turn my face away. I didn't want her to see me crying, but I did. I cried. And I thought to myself, why? Why am I crying? I should be happy. I also wished that she would come back to me. We would have this time together. I miss it. I'm alone now. And the part of me that I don't like being alone is it's killing me. I don't know what to do with myself. Yes, I work. I come home to an empty house. I go to bed at night. There's silence in this house. 
And I said to myself, is this going to stop? I keep hearing things in my head. And I have these premonitions. Now, some of them are good. Some of them I don't want to talk about. Everyone's going to say to me, do you have a gift? I wouldn't call it a gift. Just a, a sense. At the premonition two years before of my father. And I would not call that a gift. I just knew he wasn't going to be making, making it to a senior citizen. I knew he wasn't going to grow old with my mother. I just had this feeling that his life would get cut short. I had that feeling, and it came true. Ask me, is that a coincidence? Then I told you about 3663. So when I fully recovered from cancer, I was in my mid-30s, 36. He was 63 when he passed. Let's reverse the numbers now. See the connection? 63, 36, you see the connection? What a coincidence that is, right? But with my mother, it was a shock when she passed. I always thought she'd be around a long time. I lost her in my mid-40s, and I thought, well, I've had her for so long, and she can take care of herself. My youngest daughter can take care of herself. I said, I still need you. I can't make it without you. She goes, you have to. You have to go on. Do you want to make yourself sick? Come on now. You recovered from cancer. That took a lot out of you. She saw how tired I had become. She saw how I couldn't eat, how I couldn't move around, and it pained her to see me that way. I said to her, I felt like an old woman. I was in my mid-30s in the prime of my life, and I thought to myself, will I ever get better? Will I ever be free? Will I ever, will I ever be normal? And she goes, yes. This is just temporary what you're feeling. She encouraged me every single day to get better. She pushed me to the point that I couldn't be pushed anymore. There was a time when I was ready to give up. I said, I don't know if I can do this. I can't go back every single time. It was tiring. I could not eat. I could not sleep. My quality of life just changed. I couldn't even go out into the fresh air because being outside bothered me. You know, when you're sick, you just want to stay away from the world. You want to hide from the world with the shades down, going underneath the blanket. I couldn't even sleep most of the time. She could. She took care of me at my worst. She got me better. But when she was going through her illness, it was painful to watch. And all the drugs they gave her, oh my God, she hallucinated. I said, what are you doing to my mother? She's seeing things and hearing things. She actually believed someone was going to try to kill her. She made me believe that. She goes, oh, come on. We have to go downstairs. We have to lock all the doors. And I said, Mom, no one's coming. She heard voices in her head. And I thought to myself, what are you giving her? These drugs are making her psychotic. She's losing her mind. Do you know what it's like watching your mother not be your mother? She was another woman. It was like I was looking at someone who I was scared to come into contact with. I was scared. I was so afraid, and I thought, wow, this is how it is. When you get older, you lose the sense of your identity, of who you are. She was going through so much pain in her life, and she survived it. Her and my father were the prime example of someone you can really look up to as inspirational, as, as someone you can look to as, or you can fall back on. But they've come a long way, and I always thought they would be to 
growing old together. I thought they would be living together, traveling and doing all the things that they wanted to do. But his life was cut short very young. And her life, well, she lived a good long life. She's seen everything. We went through history together. Everything that happened in this world, she was here for. But then, with this pandemic, yeah. If both my mother and father were alive, it would would have been very difficult for them to be... Well, I know my mother would, would follow all the instruction. My father, on the other hand, he wouldn't believe it. He would doubt it. He was the type of man that probably will not wear a mask or probably not even get a vaccine or a shot because to him, it's like, ah, this will pass. My mother, my mother, again, she didn't like doctors, but she would follow under the doctor's orders. If she was alive in this pandemic world, at least I would have someone to talk to. I was by myself during the pandemic. I was climbing the walls. I was trying to figure out why. Why am I going through this right now? It was just too much for me to take. And I can see that I don't know if she would have been able to survive this world. It's a bit too much for her. I would have been worried about her every single day. When she went through her illness, it cut me. And I watched her. She couldn't pick her head up. She couldn't move around. She couldn't do anything for herself. Every one of us had to help her get around. I was afraid of leaving her to go to work because if she's by herself, she'll try to climb down the steps. I said, my God, Mom, no. How many times have I seen her? I've seen her fall down the steps. Or the times when I wasn't around and she she fell down. I'm like, my God, what happened to you? All these bruises came on her. We bruise easily. That's the kind of family we were. But I look at her and I think, she's an angel now. She's not here, but it's killing me inside, you know, her anniversary. Every time the death of her anniversary comes around, it's just hard for me to believe. Is she really gone? The first couple of years were very difficult. I made myself believe that she wasn't gone. I wanted to believe that she was alive, that she was on a trip with her family in Australia, that she went to visit for this amount of time, and that she's coming back. I made myself believe that. And I thought, but I can't do that anymore. I have to accept it. She's in a better place. She's with my father. They're both healthy, from what I'm hearing. I have conversations with her in my sleep. I said, Mom, your daughter's doing well. She goes, I'm proud of you. You have a job. You have someone who loves you. Hold on to that. When she was alive and before she got sick, she saw the pain that I went through and every pain that I went through before that. All the men that hurt me, all the situations, the fact that I had no friends, she felt for me. We had spent so much time together. You know, my Saturday night was me sitting on the floor with her in our living room playing cards. We would play every game that we could think of, you know, and or watch some kind of TV show that we both liked or whatever it was. And I thought, I love you, Mom. I just want you around forever. But I think she was sad for me because I didn't have anybody to go out with. She goes, I don't like to see you by yourself. And she goes, I don't have any friends. I don't have anybody I can talk to or turn to at this time. But I thought to myself, what is really going on here? I asked myself this question so many, many times, and I think, wow, is this how my life is going to be? To not have anybody I could turn to, to be consoled, to be comforted. I just want what I want when I want it. I want my life to be filled with happiness, 
sunshine, smiles, peace, serenity, not chaos and not having to think about what's going to happen to me down the line. My mother always wanted the best for me, for all of her children. But for me, she was worried. She goes, before I leave this earth, I want to see you with someone. I want someone to take care of you and love you. I want that for you. I said, but I want you to be here to see that. I want you to be here to, to meet him. I want you to be able to, to, you know, ask your questions the way all parents do of their children, to ask questions of the potential mate that they're loved one that their daughter or son brings home. Think about that. Both of my parents met with my older sister's husband and my middle sister's, and they both loved their son-in-laws. But my father wasn't around long enough to experience everything. In other words, when my sister was pregnant with her second child, he wasn't around. When she had her third child, he wasn't around. The only one he was around for was my nephew, his grandson. And he was very young too. My nephew at the time was two years old when my my dad passed away. And then with my mom, he was older and he was close to her. They were all close, even my middle niece, my goddaughter. I can remember the time we went into the bedroom after the service and I'm like, we just broke down crying. It was hard to walk into that room because Her presence was there. Everything about her was there. And we broke down crying. Thought about the good. Thought about, well, I kept having the same dream about her and the illness and what I saw. Nobody does understand what type of pain that is. I haven't been to the cemetery in a long time. I don't want any of them to think that I don't want to go. It's just now that I have this job, I've been so tired, and then the weekends are the only time I can actually rest. I'm hoping mom understands. It's just when you go to a cemetery, you're not physically going to be meeting with your mom and dad. Their bodies might be there, but their souls have risen. So everywhere you go in your lifetime, they're with you. They're with me in spirit. They're with me in my heart. It's not the same thing. There's a woman who was the true Florence Nightingale of her time. A woman who defeated life, who got through life's challenges. I mean, again, I look at her young story when she was growing up with her siblings and her mom, how she had to be a second mother. She told me the stories. She told me the stories. She said, oh, you know, you know, I, I, this is how I, I took care of my kids. Or my, I'm sorry, my siblings. Well, her siblings were kind of like her kids. She was a second mother. She had to discipline them and feed them and teach them and all that stuff. She had to help alongside her mother. She was the oldest of five. So you tell me. She, they got through it. You know, when you think of the word poverty, that's what you think. They of the poverty of the lowest of the low. She didn't let it get to her, though. But the thing that I still don't understand, because I would even ask her about what happened to, grand, to Grandpa. My grandfather, I never knew, but the story she told me about her father, let's just say it was a touchy subject. And the fact that he left all of them in that time of need, I still cannot wrap my head around that. To leave your wife and children to fend for themselves and have not a care in the world, but she still loved her father. He just didn't know how to show the love to his children and his wife. He went with somebody within the family, another family member. 
to do that. But her grandfather stepped in. Her father's father stepped in and helped out. She developed a close bond with him. It's not the same thing. And I've always said this to all of you out there. A father and a daughter, strongest bond there is. Right? If that bond got broken through illness or through some type of deception, you ask yourself this question, could I still love my father after everything he's done? You can, because you never stop loving your parents. Your parents made mistakes with you when you were a child, and even now so, as you're getting older, you're still gonna love your parents. Why? Because they're your parents. They created you, they shaped you, they taught you, they did everything for you. And if you tell me, well, this is what they did to me, you're still gonna love them despite the fact that they weren't the best. Not everybody's parents are the greatest. Even the worst of the worst. Provided for you, put food in your stomach and clothes on your, in, on your back and, and, and you know, gave you a home. They gave you everything. They gave you everything. What do you do in return? You don't show them an ounce of respect? I wonder about that. But I ask myself this question all the time. So I say to all of you, You look at my mother as a prime example of a woman who's gone through so much in her lifetime and has survived it. I credited her. I still miss her though. When she had said to me, I don't want to see my youngest daughter ever get hurt. Learn to stand on your own two feet. Learn to speak up when something's bothering you. Learn. Your voice is powerful. The power of your voice speaks to people. I've even heard that from somebody on LinkedIn. We listen to your podcast as if you're speaking to us. That's what I'm trying to do. Speak to all of you. Make you understand my story as a tribute to my mother. Because my mother said, you are a beautiful young woman. I don't understand why no one would take an interest in you. I said, maybe it's how I look. You are beautiful. But she said, people in this part of the world really need to understand that the hurtful things they say to one another and, and how a person looks shouldn't matter. It comes from within. Your beauty comes from within, and the things that you do, you have a beautiful heart. I don't like to see you get hurt. In the times that I was going through the pain that I was going through, she didn't really know too much of it. I had kind of hid that from her. I didn't want her to know, and then I told you so. My mother was the type that... She knew that she was right. She was right about everything, and I just questioned it. And I should have just taken her up on her advice. And I think that if I would have gotten myself out of these situations a long time ago, I would not have gotten hurt. I let myself get hurt. But now, she says, you're telling me you have somebody new in your life. Hold on to that. Both of you belong with one another. Both of you have that connection, the deep connection through the man upstairs, and if it wasn't for him, I said to her in my dreams, I said, if I don't find something or someone within a year, it will be no more for me. I cannot live in this world without someone. I've lived without her for, what, six years? That it doesn't seem like a lot, but I said, Mom, I don't know if I can go on. Yes, you can. You have to. First of all, you cannot stop living. That's number one. Number two, don't close your heart. You know, if you close your heart to every person that tries to get near you, you're going to miss out on a lot. Yes, you need to be cautious. I will take that and not to trust anybody. But from what you're telling me about this man, he loves you. He tells me every single day that he loves me. 
that we love each other, that we have so much in common. We were brought together by the one man who knew we were meant for one another. Come on now, have faith. I had pleaded to God and talked to him on many occasions about you. When I saw that I left you behind, my heart broke. My heart broke because you're not here. I said, Mom, what am I going to do without you? He says, you are going to continue on with life, and you're going to be good at what you do, and you're going to go out there and be brave, and you're going to show me the type of woman you can be. And I will look from up above, and I will praise you, and I will be a big smile on my face. But I know that the day that I get married to my significant other is the day that will be happy for her. It's just that she won't be here to celebrate in the joy. I'll be watching from up above. I said it's not the same thing. It's just been hard for me right now. I've been walking around like I'm in a fog. Like, I can't believe that this is the life I'm living. And I had predicted this, too. There's another premonition. I predicted what would happen. I had told her this before, before she got sick. I said to my mother, I know exactly what's going to happen when you go. I'll be left alone. That's a given. Everybody around me will have gone on with their lives and have moved on. I will still be in the same place. He goes, you can change all that. How? I don't go out anywhere. My phone doesn't even ring. And if it does ring, it's more business. That's what it is. It's work-related, right? But other than that, I want to feel needed and wanted in this world. And I sometimes feel like nobody wants me. She goes, don't say that. He wants you. That if he didn't want you, he would have just a long time ago stopped talking with you. We've been together for over a year. And I'm trying so hard for us to be together. Find a way. And I want her to see that. I said, I want to introduce you to her because I think you would have loved her. She would have loved you too from what she, from what she's saying about you to me or me saying, me saying to, to her about you, everything that you've done for me. And you've done so much for me. I've told them that. But again, no matter how many times you tell someone something like that, they want to think, well, I can do more for you. You can, and you will, and you should. Just like I do for you. We do for each other. But that's how my mother saw it. And my mother and and my father, their love story was really should be told on the big screen. Because it it was beautiful. It's just a beautiful, 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 beautiful love story. Yes, they went through their trials. They went through their problems and their issues and their crisis. But they got through it. They never gave up. They never gave up on each other. And they never gave up on us girls. We had a blessed life. But again, I was not rich. A lot of people think that, oh, look at the life you're living now. (laughs) What life am I living now? Constantly crying. All I do is I go to work, I come home, I'm tired, I do it all over again. Then when the weekends come, I have that time to reflect. I suggest all of you, give yourselves time to reflect. You know, if you have big dreams and goals, go out there and do what you got to do. You don't have to question it. Just go out and do it. My mother always says you can be or do anything in this world if you really put your heart and faith into it. So God bless you, Mom, for everything that you've done for me. You've taught me how to be the woman that I am. You've taught me so many things in life, and I I celebrate you, but I also miss you dearly. I just wish you were here right now. I can tell you how many times I've loved you, how many times I miss you. I just, I just want you back. I know that it's impossible. It's not a made-for-TV movie. Imagine that. I always wish that my mother would come back. Like, literally come back, but it's not going to happen. I have to learn to move on with my life. It's just been very difficult. She saw the pain that I was going through when she was alive. She saw it. 
And she says, I wish I could take that pain away from you. Do right now. You have to continue on with life. You have to do that. And if you cannot do it for yourself, do it for me. I'm watching you from up above. I will always be I will always be there for you. So thank you, Mom, for creating me, for teaching me, for loving me, for listening to me, for always being there for me when I needed you. I praise you, Mom. And I hope to God one day when all is said and done and we have everything that we've worked for and accomplished in life, we will see each other again. And all of us will have a big family reunion. So again, I love you, Mom. God bless you. You are an angel, a true angel, an angel that I will always keep in my heart and cherish forever. Thank you, Mom. Thank you for everything. I love you so much. Thank you. God bless all of you. Take care.